Hello, everyone. Welcome to the inaugural What the Fundus podcast. Uh, this is uh, Michael Marino. And along with uh, Dr. Sarah Toomey, we are going to bring you a little weekly update on what's new in eye care, uh, even if it's not necessarily new, because we might talk about coding and things like that. It'll at least, hopefully it will be interesting, but little bite-sized things, hopefully no more than 15 or 20 minutes of your time. So you don't have to, uh, you know, get used to a really long car ride in order to get all the information that you need. So uh, at any rate, just a quick rundown of who I am. I am an optometrist, practices in North Carolina, and I've been practicing here since 1998. Practiced in a number of different settings. I've uh, been at UNC Kittner Eye Center. I was at TLC Laser Eye Centers. I owned my own private practice with my wife, who's also an optometrist. I uh, owned a group practice for a while and then joined uh, Triangle Visions Optometry back in 2015, where I now serve as clinical field director. Now, Sarah, you are also a clinical field director of TVO. Why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Awesome. Thanks, Michael. Um, yeah, so I'm newly with Triangle Visions Optometry as of 2021. Before that, I went to Nova Southeastern University for optometry school. And before that, I was a Gator uh, over there at University of Florida for my undergraduate. After Nova Southeastern, I did an internship and also a residency at Bascom Palmer Eye Institute in Miami, Florida. You know, the Bascom Palmer Eye Institute. Um, after that, I went over to my hometown in Florida, Fort Myers, Florida, and I practiced there for about two years um, at a big ODMD practice. And then I moved to North Carolina to start this job, and I've loved it ever since I've gotten here. All right, sounds good. So uh, this first one, we're gonna talk about a new paper that was released in early October of this 2021. Uh, the paper is called Efficacy of Lephitograph Ophthalmic Solution 5% in Patients with Moderate to Severe Dry Eye Disease. So what were your kind of first takeaways from this paper, Sarah? Well, first I'll, I'll talk about, you know, just the, the paper in itself. I, I do think it was a really good study in general. Um, there were about 1,429 participants. So you love to see that, uh, you know, not, not a group of 30. Obviously, that's one of the first things that we look at with these papers. Um, so overall, I do think it was a pretty good study as far as its design. Um, it was a post hoc study. Um, and the amount of time that they did monitor these patients was about three months, a little bit less. So all those were good things um, about the study. And in case everyone forgot what lithograst is, it's Zydra, which we're more familiar with. Yes, and we're not, um, this is not uh, COPE approved, so we can say... Uh... You can say products as much as <laughs> as much as we would like, but, yes. but the paper obviously cannot say Zydra. And just as a little grain of salt announcement, this paper was funded completely by Novartis Pharma AG, which does make Zydra. So it's another reason why I think they couldn't say Zydra all throughout the all throughout the paper. So, okay, so their their conclusion. We'll kind of start with the conclusion and work our way back. Uh, the conclusion is basically that for people with moderate to severe dry eye disease, that 
it appears that there is a reduction in the signs and the symptoms of dry eye disease, you know, mainly because of lefitograst. And in our kind of pre-discussion, you, you had brought up uh, something that I didn't even think about just in regards to why this might not be the best, uh, uh, might not be the best way to kind of show that this actually does something. Yeah, um, you know, I, I was just asking you essentially like, have you ever had Zydra? If you've ever instilled it, you know that it tastes nasty. Like you are gonna taste that metal taste. Although, I mean, some people report not having that. What is it, discusia? Discusia? Discusia, yes, discusia. I know, right. spell that, right? Um, yeah. But I, my thought process in doing the lipidographs versus placebo for this patient group that has moderate to severe dry eye disease, um, you know, I, I feel like it's different if they're just using plain saline as the placebo, you're going to know that it's Cydra. I mean, the patients are going to be able to taste, ah, something's off with this. You know, it's not just a placebo. It's, it's definitely something in it. Yeah. And, and another thing is that more than likely these patients have probably used artificial tears in the past. Uh, so if you were selected to be in the group, you may not know that specifically Zydra causes the problem with taste, but what may end up happening is, is you know something's different. Right, yeah. Exactly. E even if you don't know that you're not getting the placebo, unless they did something to make the artificial tears or the saline in this taste, you know, potentially like taste bad. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. That's something that I thought about when I was going through it. Um, overall, the results were good, but I, I did notice that the, the, the way that they monitored um, more of the subjective results of this study, you know, how does the patient feel, was something called the EDS, which is the eye dryness score. Uh, I did a little bit of research into this, and there's about like seven or eight different types of ways that they can measure it, all of it being, you know, a, a pain scale there. Um, I'm more familiar with the OSDI, uh, the ocular, what is it? Um, my goodness. How yeah, do, no, I never remember what it stands I for. Know, OSDI the, like, ocular surface symptoms. disease index or something like that. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I have more um, experience with. Um, have you ever used that before? I've, we've toyed with it off and on. It just seems to be more of a the practical nature of actually doing it, not because mm -hmm. I don't think it actually works. <laughs> I think it. I think it's an excellent driver of kind of eliciting dryness symptoms and giving you a good to say, okay, this was your you know score beforehand. This was your score afterwards. See, you got better. So, <laughs> but just it, it's more of the trying to get the technicians to actually do it has been yes. more of the the driving problem than anything else. So. Yes, it is the ocular surface disease index. I think you got that All right. right. Uh, it's like 12, it's 12 questions. Really. Yeah, <laughs> but it's, it's pretty easy. I, I do think it's good to, to have that information in your practice to at least monitor it if, if you're trying to do a, a good faith attempt at having a dry eye practice. Um, yeah, and but, yeah. No, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, it, it's interesting that they use this eye dryness score. And then when I was looking at the results, really, that's the only significant difference. Most of the percentages, as far as the corneal staining for inferior and total, 
those percentages were a lot closer between the Zydra and the placebo compared to the subjective Zydra score. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, and, and I do think if you remember when Zydra came out, one of the things that the Zydra reps were kind of harping on is this really makes the patients feel better. So mm -hmm. this is something I think that they kind of already knew, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, g going into this study, because they have been touting that since however long Zydra has been out. And, you know, in the end, I kind of agree. It's like, well, okay, you know, we want people to feel better. It doesn't matter if they look better, if they don't feel better, who cares? I guess, um, yeah. But, but there must be something in regards to, you know, well, maybe it takes 180 days for the, for the complete signs to go away. Um, is there a neurotrophic aspect to this that Zydra doesn't even touch, which right. most top, to be fair, most topical anti-inflammatories don't have anything to do with that. If, if people who are in moderate to severe, they probably don't have a good epithelium anyway. Right. It's going to take a lot more than Zydra or Restasis or Sequa to get that the cornea to grow back. You either have to use, you know, amniotic membrane to kind of juice things a little bit, or potentially oxervate in really severe cases. Um, but so, so that that may be playing a little bit of a part of yes, they may not look better, but they didn't really explore any of the underlying stuff of why they didn't necessarily look right. better. That being said, that wasn't the idea of the study. Yeah, <laughs> so turns out that would be that would oh, be something. Of course, else. yeah. I mean, and just for, for those of us who are listening, Restasis is cyclosporine, um, you know, and Zydra is lipidograss. Uh, Zydra works by sort of inhibiting our inflammatory cytokines. Um, and essentially it, it stops the process of creating those T cells a little bit earlier in the pathway than Restasis does. Um, and that's why it allegedly uh it takes a lot less time for patients to feel the difference whereas the spaces you know you might have a patient on there for about three months and uh, the full efficacy of that won't be really realized until about six months um, so so zydra is, is said to start working a lot sooner for that reason yeah the way i'd always understood it and you can correct me if i'm wrong because mm -hmm. I've definitely been wrong a lot um, <laughs> where the, where restasis basically kind of turns off the spigot, whereas Zydra kind of cleans everything up. Yeah, sure. I, I'd say that's fair because that's why it takes forever to restasis for restasis to kill all those T cells. Yeah. Um, because it just, it takes a lot longer because right. it doesn't, doesn't give that time, you know, doesn't stop what's happening from happening. It just says, Hey, this isn't happening anymore you guys clean up everything else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, um, the, the article didn't touch on this, but I know most docs use some sort of an anti-inflammatory um, in conjunction with their Zydra or their Restasis or their Sequa, what have you. Um, is that something that you do in your practice pattern as well? It kind of depends on how uncomfortable the patient is. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if I'm starting, uh, you know, ideally... If I'm ideally, I'm starting this when they're more mild. Mm -hmm. You know, we're in the mild kind of phase, and and so, but but if they are pretty severe and they have a fair amount of SPK, yeah, I'm I'm usually starting a steroid to go along with it for, you know, kind of a twice a day, using it concurrently, mm -hmm. uh, for anywhere from two to four weeks. Which you know, phase? 
I use, well, gosh, honestly, nowadays, <laughs> whatever you have, <laughs> I, so what, whatever, whatever. Is, yep, I mean, yep. my, my ideal is low to max just because yeah, I've had exactly. good success with it. And I think it's yeah. a comfortable drop to use. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, uh, as steroids go, it doesn't give you that, that weird taste in the back of your throat. Like a lot mm -hmm. of like uh, prednisolone acetate and, and, you know, things do, um, but I mean, good luck figuring out what the patient's insurance is going to cover. Oh, right. So, so more often than not, I'm probably putting them on pred acetate just because it's I, cheap. You know, I don't, it's cheap. And, mm -hmm. you know, if they don't want to go to Walgreens, then, you know, <laughs> and use the coupon <laughs> that doesn't always work. And, you know, if you happen to right. have a new one uh, or not one that expired 18 months ago and, exactly. you know, so, so yeah, I mean, some kind of insert steroid here, I, I'm yes. not. I don't really have a You're not married one. to one. Yeah. No, I, I don't. I was going to say, it's going to be whatever is like in the cabinet of the office that I'm working at. I'm like, <laughs> what can I dig around? And nowadays, I mean, especially with COVID, you, you just get visited so less often. Right, um, that's true. We just don't get samples. Like, I, I think the, the we just don't get samples like we used to kind of thing. So. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And then what do you usually dose it as? How do you, how do you usually approach that? I, because I'm starting them on something else, I usually just start them on twice a day. Twice a day. And you, so you'll yeah. do the, the steroid of choice plus Zydra slash Restasis BID. Yeah. Now, on, now, honestly, with Restasis, I usually will actually start them on the Restasis four times a day for the first month. Okay. Yeah. Because there, there is more than enough of the Restasis in that little vial to, yeah. to do that with per day. Yeah. Um, you know, you can't do that with Zydra because I think the FDA wised up and they told them they couldn't fill it <laughs> as much <laughs> as much as the Restasis ones did. But the Restasis uh -huh. kind of snuck that in under, you know, the early days of doing things. Yeah, yeah. And um, and all you have people use Restasis four times a day and, and it, it tends to mitigate the use of steroids. Yeah, so. that's true. I know I did some digging on when all of these drops were created and Restasis was 2003, Zydra was 2016 and Sequo was 2019. So it's, yeah. it's interesting that my favorite or my go-to is always Restasis, but it's the oldest drop out there. And I'm, really, I'm wondering, yeah, if it's just because there's more research on it or more of the docs who I learned under used it. Um, but I'm, I'm a little bit wary of being caught into that uh, cycle of just using something that I'm used to it. So it's a yeah. good thing that we're looking at this article. And I think it, it has, it just has a low side effect profile. It's pretty yeah. easy to use. Uh, it has really virtually ubiquitous insurance coverage right. um, nowadays, especially. I mean, I, I actually started using cyclosporin back in 2000. 2000 2001 mm -hmm. we had a we had a, a a pharmacy that would compound it for us nice so and it and was oh less God. expensive no it was really expensive <laughs> but we would we would use it we would use it like oh it was it was like two hundred dollars a month kind of a thing and these people were like hail mary's yeah. look yeah. this we're trying we've tried everything we're going to try this now so yeah. they would try anything you know at that point I, yeah I, and i agree i think that this study saying that those patients that were in the moderate to severe dry eye category i mean you know these these patients uh, all eye doctors know these patients they would give their right hand for relief from these dry eye symptoms yeah. Um, so really, I'm sure that feeling like they they have medication that's working, I'm wondering if that factors into their 
their more subjective reasoning of why they feel like this job is working more. Yeah, and absolutely. And, 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 and kind of, it's one of those things like, does it matter? Yeah, you know? right. Like exactly. If, if, in the case of, if, if, and that's where sometimes where I will choose Zydra, I will tell them, this is going to make you feel better faster. I'm like, your best yeah. bet is to put it in and close your eyes and pinch your ne- you know, pinch the top of your nose for five minutes after you put it yeah, in. Yeah, right. So, so there's less chance of you tasting it. But, but it, I mean, it does, I mean, I don't want to bag on Zydra because it, it really does make people feel better relatively quickly. Yeah. Um, the, the only times I've, I, t- even though it really tastes bad, I, I've, I've never had a patient stop it because of it. That's exactly right. The, yeah. The only, the only odd side effect I've seen from it is I've had a handful of patients who just simply find it blurs their vision for like mm-hmm. hours after they mm-hmm. use it. I don't know if you've had that experience. But, I have, yeah. You know, but, but it's weird. I've had people come in who you check their vision and they're, you know, dropped from 2025 right. to 2040, clearly, oh, really? you know, that's that, hmm. but you look at their cornea and it looks, you know, it doesn't look like a 2040 cornea. So hmm. I, I don't know the mechanism behind that unless it's just, you know, it makes the tear film kind of oily because Zydra is yeah. kind of oily. And so it's difficult to see, but, um, that's yeah, interesting. I don't know, but I wonder that's if it's like, I've ever just discontinued it. Yeah. Like low grade chronic improved penetration with Zydra versus Restasis. I wonder if it roughs up the cornea, but on like a subclinical level that we're just not yeah, seeing. Could be. And there's another thing too that we had kind of discussed in the, uh, in the pre-conversation before this podcast mm-hmm. was that the, I found one of the interesting findings was that people felt a lot better, but they didn't look a lot better. Right, right. And so in moderate to severe uh, cases is the cornea just not you know healing all the way right you know and can these medicines do that you know that that kind of thing um that is or are we catching these are you know is the study catching patients before they're going to have more severe signs right kind of thing right so, I yeah know. i mean that is definitely a limitation since it only goes out for about three months um of the study and it doesn't necessarily talk about how they got there. Right, right, exactly. I mean, and to uh, that end, like you were mentioning before about making those patients feel better and, and maybe grabbing Restasis before, I'm sorry, grabbing Zydra before Restasis or Sequa. Um, as far as what I typically do for my routine, who, I've, you know, I just stole the routine of a cornea specialist I work with, uh, but they do the Lodamax and Pred only four times a day for two weeks. And then add in the Restasis or uh, or Zydra twice a day for two weeks. Okay. Um, but again, the same point that you use, I just have them go nuts with the Restasis even six or eight times a day. Um, and if they complain about burning, I usually tell them to put it in the fridge because that yeah. will typically help with the burning a little bit. Um, but I, I, like I said, I just don't reach for risk, you know, for Zydra as much as I do for Restasis probably because I already have had success with restasis and I'm just stubborn and I just don't want to change. <laughs> <laughs> so young yet already. Yes, and yet so. here I am. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. So uh, one, and this could be the topic of a whole other podcast, but I do want to touch on it a little bit because I know there are you know, people out there that would probably ask, you know, well, what about treating the lids? You know, yes. so obviously this, this paper had nothing to do with 
anything like lipoflow or tear care or any mm -hmm. meibomian gland dysfunction. But just out of a ph philosophical point of view, do you find that even if you are certain that the patient has eyelid disease that needs to be treated, do you still start them on Zydra at all beforehand? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, most of the time, th there are very rare instances where I will put someone on a medicated drop prior to having them start with the warm compresses and addressing all those other issues. And really, the only instances I can think of are a patient that's had uh, chemotherapy or radiation from some type of cancer. They almost always need to be on a medicated drop. So if I'm seeing them for the first time, I'm like, well, we know where this is going. Um, or patients that talk about having tried so many different, uh, so many different treatments. Um, and in that case, I give them basically what I call my starter pack, which is all of the dry eye treatments that you could, that you would assume that we would start them on. The warm compresses, the lid hygiene, the artificial tears. Um, and then I will it's a lot for one visit, but I almost always then just initially start them on the restasis or the Zydra. Yeah, I agree because, because there's something to be said for that, even though the inflammation is coming from the lid and the drop is not really doing anything for that, it's at least making sure that the ocular surface is not going to get taken down too far. Right. And there, there is some, some thought to the fact that restasis or cyclosporine concentrations of, of any, you know, whether it's 0.05 or 0.09, help to work a little bit more on the goblet cells, I think, than Zydra. So that's something to consider, you know, if you think it's really just aqueous deficient or, you know, uh, form of dry eye. So it's, it's something to think about too. Yeah. All right. So do you have any last thoughts on this paper? Well, I guess my question to you would be, do you feel like after reading this that you would change any of your, your current practice patterns? No, not necessarily. <laughs> I mean, again, not, not because it was a bad study or anything, but just because these are kind of the people that I already used it on anyway. You yeah. Know, the, the people that feel the worst are probably the ones that I'm going to start with this on and yeah. kind of go from there. I think that's a good point. And I would say that after reading this, I probably will be a little bit uh, less hesitant to start people on Zydra in those particular instances where they are just really feeling bad and just feeling like they, they need something that will make them feel better. Yeah. And I actually have, um, I do have one patient who has Zydra is the only thing that makes her feel good. Mm -hmm. And she has boxes of restasis left over from when she was on restasis before. And so what, what she does is, is she's on, you know, Zydra BID, you know, 365 days uh -huh. a year. And then whenever she's having bad days, yeah, she uses restasis two or three times a day in between the drops of stuff. Zydra. There ain't no yeah. T cells on that cornea. Zero. Uh -uh. Zero. <laughs> Yeah, so annihilated. So yeah, so I, Got it. Yes, but uh, she's had other problems. That, yeah, exactly. That, yeah, we could do five whole podcasts about yeah, that patient. I know. You know, and that's and the that, thing so. about about dry eyes. It's a lot of hand holding, but if you have the patience for it, I mean, there there truly are so many different options. And I think that as optometrists, we have a very special niche to to treat these patients. That um, 
that the ophthalmology world just sometimes doesn't have the time to address. Yeah. All right. So I think that just about wraps it up. Thanks everyone for listening. Uh, go ahead and subscribe. Uh, by the time you hear this, we should be available on most, if not all, podcast you know, places, Apple, Spotify, all that kind of thing. You could also go to our website, whatthefundus.com, and find a link to subscribe to this podcast. But we're going to try to get with you guys every week to discuss something. Awesome. Thanks for your time. <laughs>